This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey everyone, it's Alex here. I'm going to be releasing this pretty funny and weird Patreon exclusive episode that Christy and I did back in March of 2022. I'm doing this because as this episode comes out, I'm actually going to be, I think, on my way home from Pennsylvania. So I decided that instead of trying to rush an episode out when I get home or beforehand, I would just, you know, open up the vault, let an episode out. And thank you to my lovely patrons who actually helped me pick out what episode to to release. So thank you. And I hope you enjoy this episode. We are, we are, we are cultivate, 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 cultivate. We are cultivate. patrons. Hope you're having a fabulous Sunday. Hello, it is I, Alex. And as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host. Before we started recording, I was telling Christy, I never know how to start our Patreon bonus episodes because you're paying for this. So you already know what you're paying into. So So hey, hey, hey. (laughs) So hey, hey, hey seems the most appropriate. (laughs) But as you know from previous bonus episodes, we don't really talk about what we need a distraction from. We kind of just get into it because you're paying for this. You're, you're giving us your cold, hard-earned cash for the good stuff. So to prepare for this month's bonus episode, I decided to run a poll to see what our lovely Patreon fam would want to hear for the month of March, a.k.a. Christy's birthday month. Once the results were in, I spun an online picker wheel to determine what to discuss this month since there wasn't like an initial winning topic. So I wanted the internet and fate to make the decision for me. And with the picker wheel, I landed on one of Christie's favorite topics being that of aliens. I'll pick that for my birthday. How rude. Okay. I know. Yeah. The, <laughs> the wheel of fate picked that for your birthday. I don't know what you did to deserve it, but. It's like, happy birthday. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Here you go. Something you absolutely hate. That's a sign that you're getting older, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to get old. (laughs) (laughs) So though we won't be discussing specific alien encounters, I decided to discuss five famous Canadian UFO sightings that happened between 1951 to 1969. So throw a little, I don't know, personalization into it, being that both Christy and I are from the great white north and decided, you know what, why not talk about UFO sightings? Because I don't think we've really talked about, well, I guess we have in our Area 51 episode, but still. Yeah, a couple of times. And then I always comment on it. Yeah. And then Chrissy's always miserable every time I tell her we're talking about aliens this episode. And the look on her face is as if her soul just dissipates from her body. And she questions our entire friendship. Friendship. <laughs> 
But I'll be going over some of the UFO history in Canada briefly, and then we will dive into the five sightings that we will be focusing on for today's episode. There are more sightings beyond these five, obviously, but figured I would narrow down from the major lists that exist because I think if we did the like all of the sightings in Canada, we would be here for umpteen hours. And I, I oh, there's like so many things people think they see, so we'd be here a long time. Yeah, it would be its own podcast series, which TM, we're going to do it eventually. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do it. We have too much on the go already. <laughs> I repeat, we are not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasize on not. So I think it's time to get into the UFO history in Canada. What do you say, Christy? Yes, well, that's the Canada's stories. The Canada stories. So did you know that the Canadian government spent about 45 years investigating unidentified flying objects, a.k.a. UFOs. Did you know that, Christy? Why would they waste so much time doing that? Jeez. I have no answer to that. No specific answer to that at all. But from (laughs) 1950 to 1995, the Canadian government funded these UFO investigations, which may have started due to the concerns that the Soviets may be flying over Canada during the Cold War. Okay, so I do have an answer. Basically, the government was concerned that the Soviets were flying over our country and potentially spying on us. So they're like, yeah, let's create kind of an investigation into these UFOs. And just kind of for preference, UFO doesn't necessarily always mean alien. But no, it could be flying things of sorts. And um, speaking of uh, Soviets, you know, we got to watch those guys now, especially nowadays. Yeah. Hashtag World War Three. Mm. Hashtag traumatized all over again. Hashtag therapy is not cheap. <laughs> Hashtag not a good time. Hashtag thanks, Putin. Okay, we need to move on. <laughs> so the projects that the government funded were called Project Magnet and Project Second Story. I wonder if there were or are more projects going on, but at least we can say that these two were definitely the most publicly known. I'm not sure if there are any others. I didn't really go into that deep dive. Maybe I will on a different day. But what I do know is that Project Magnet and Project Second Story were, in fact, publicly known to be funded by the Canadian government. So from Mr. Trudeau himself. Who picked those names also? I'm like, eh. Project Magnet. I know. It's just corny. Like, uh, why not Project Cool Beans? Or let us know in the comments what you think the project names should have been called. We want to hear from you. Yeah, and it's like cool spy names, not Magnet. What about like Project Canuck or Project Moose Knuckles? Project Beaver uh, moose head, not moose knuckles. No. <laughs> you never There's know. There's sexual undertones to that, but okay. I mean, Project Magnus, <laughs> wink, wink, that's good. Um, and I should say, Justin Trudeau was not in Parliament between 1950 or 1995. I think his dad was Mr. Pierre Trudeau. I, I don't remember when he was in Parliament. Do you? I'm history was my worst topic. Ah, I'm right. so bad at that. So don't ask me. OK, well, fair enough. Project Magnet took place between 1950 and 1954, where radio engineer Wilbert Smith tried to do experiments to determine whether UFOs flew using magnetic energy. Hence, Project Magnet, I guess, I suppose. It's kind of lame, but it is what it is, I guess. I guess I'll let the name fly since it has some kind of meaning. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like... When you're watching a movie and the title of the movie comes up within the movie. Do you know what I mean? Mm, Like what? 
I'm trying to think of one, but I can't right now that I'm on the spot. But, you know, like, I know what you did last summer. And then someone in the movie says, I know what you did last summer kind of thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Sure. I was thinking, like, literal. I was like, mm, I don't know, like, Lord of the Rings. And it's about the ring. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, it's when, I don't know what it's called, but when a movie title is said in the movie. Oh, specifically said. Specifically okay. said in the movie, mm, right? Okay. Okay. I had a yeah. Okay. Whew, I was I was sweating for a minute there. I was I, I thought I was maybe having a stroke, but Wilbert's experiments were reported as inconclusive, and Wilbert supposedly lost credibility with some folks at the government level around his beliefs. Basically, he believed that UFOs were indefinitely extraterrestrial, and I almost want to say he thought every UFO equaled aliens, which, as mentioned, literally what a couple minutes ago, UFOs do not always equal aliens. Mm-mm. Could be a dot or something flying, anything flying. It could be the Soviets. I'm just going to put that out there. Mm-hmm. It could be literally an airplane. It could be, I don't know, someone flying a kite. It could be a kite. It could be. Like, li- it could be a kite, but that seems pretty unrealistic going that high up unless they ah. lost it. It could it, be those, um, which we call it. Mm, a drone. Those, can't. Okay, a drone. Um, but I'm thinking about the candle things that you like let oh. fly up and then it looks like something is watching you, but it's just, it's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so morbid. It looks like something's watching you, but it's on fire. <laughs> In that tone, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I think they're called, uh, oh gosh. It's a lantern. It's, it's like a candle lantern, right? And people do it for like memorials and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, apparently they're not good for the environment. I've read a couple mm-hmm. places that say they're not good for the environment. I mean, the environment has already gone to shit. Let's they be catch real things here. on fire. Hence the fire. That's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. But back to the UFOs and... Back to the unidentified flying things. Yes. So around the time frame of Project Magnet was Project Second Story. So Project Second Story ran from 1952 to 1954, where the Defense Research Board tried to formulate a standard UFO sighting form. Project Second Story also supposedly tried to debunk any sightings that seemed too weird or too unexplainable. So basically, they were trying to collect a paper trail of UFO reports. That way they could kind of track the data and the information to kind of see, okay, you know, are all of these UFO sightings happening in Saskatchewan? Are they happening in BC? Are they happening in Toronto? Which is not a province, so I don't know why I just name dropped Toronto because it's a city in Ontario. But you know what I mean? You're one of those people. Oh, Ontario, Toronto. <laughs> yeah, Ontario is actually just Toronto, spread out, stretched out. But uh, yeah, so basically they were trying to. F- they're trying to collect data, which makes sense in my mind. Like, I think Project Second Story is the most like, okay, that makes sense. You're trying to just collect the data. It's not trying to figure Actually out if... track something. Yeah. I, I wonder, is it called Second Story? Because it's the first one was called Magnet, and then he did a second story, technically, like, legit storyline. And then it's called wow. Second like, Wow, that's so deep. Have you ever thought about writing a book about that? <laughs> no, I hate writing anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just think it out loud, you know. No, I, I actually like that theory. That's that's not bad. Um, unfortunately, though, this project second story didn't last long, as previously mentioned. So I think it ran, and I think I said 1954. And then come 1995, though, the investigations and experiments into UFO claims by the government were ceased due to budget cuts, meaning that it was up to citizens to further investigate UFOs on their own. So I don't know. The fact that it ended in 1995, when both the projects that we know of ended in 1954, makes me think that there are probably other projects that happen, but we just don't know about them yet because, I don't know, maybe their findings are too scandalous for us civilians to know. What do you think? Top, top secret. The government does like to do that. I'm not going to lie. Oh my gosh, I'm starting to sound like a conspiracist. <laughs> Ew, I've gone down that road. <laughs> Hiding all the things from us civilian life. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. I need to stop listening to conspiracy theory podcasts. Anyways, I think it's time to shift gears and discuss some notable Canadian UFO settings. What do you say? Please don't, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, it won't be long. Uh, So the first sighting is the 1951 sighting in Gander, Newfoundland. Have you ever been to Newfoundland? Newfoundland? No, I have not. Yeah, Yeah, that place. (laughs) I have. I went to St. John's in a, for a 12-hour layover to Dublin, and it was the worst. Well, I shouldn't say it was the worst 12 hours of my life, but that airport fucking sucks. Would not recommend the St. John's airport whatsoever. It's worse than LaGuardia Customs? No, absolutely. <laughs> LaGuardia Customs is literally the seventh <laughs> level of hell. I will fight anyone that says otherwise LaGuardia is the worst airport. So it goes LaGuardia. No, LaGuardia is the worst first. <laughs> And then St. John's. And then I don't know who's the third because I don't really, I don't really travel that much. Maybe we traveled enough that we need to see all the other airports to know which one's worse. Yeah, Regina Airport's actually kind of shit too in Saskatchewan. But anyways, this isn't an airport review <laughs> podcast. That's that's. So anyways, to, back to Newfoundland. Yeah, back to Newfoundland. So for our non-Canadian patrons, Gander is a small town located in the northeastern part of Newfoundland. It was a probable chilly February 10th in 1951 when a U.S. Navy aircraft supposedly flying to Iceland from Gander saw something that they'd never seen in the skies before. According to reports, the Navy aircraft almost collided with a large large, circular, orange, unidentified flying object. This UFO was described as almost flying circles around the U.S. Navy aircraft. Probably shaken, the report was made. However, no further explanation was given. So basically, scary shit happened in the sky. Nobody knows why. And that's it. <laughs> I was just saying, when you said bright orange, I was like, so like maybe a comet? And it's like, then it circled it. And I was like, oh, comets can't track their own direction. So that doesn't really work. Yeah, I'm no. Trying to, I'm trying to talk the theory on and make it not real, but okay. You're trying to make it realistic. I'm trying to rationalize this thing. Yes, that's what I meant to say. You're trying to rationalize it. But uh, Christy, I don't know not if you working. know this. This is a weird distractions podcast. <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah, but I'm the rational one. So I it's know. like, I need to make it sense of things you are the shane Maday to my ryan bugara you are the rational one and i am the firm believer in all things weird uh okay <laughs> buzzfeed unsolved yes yes you're the tall skinny guy that says fight me demon and i'm the one that screams at i am him, you are you literally are 
You literally are. So moving on. We are now going to discuss the 1960 sighting in Clan Lake in the Northwest Territories. The story goes that sometime in May of 1960, two prospectors reportedly witnessed a four to six foot flying object over the lake. This object supposedly hits the lake and then it took off. So basically this does like a little dip into the water and then it kind of yeets itself onward and upward. Maybe a bird? I mean, I would hope that people up that far north would know what a bird looks like. Because I feel like birds go that high, like go that north. I Maybe maybe like from afar, though, they couldn't tell what it was. And then they could tell it was a bird. I don't know. I mean, fair. The prospectors didn't allegedly report the incident until June 18th, 1960 to Yellowknife RCMP, which once again is the Royal Canadian Mountain Police, who apparently did investigate into the claim, but didn't find the reported object. Because as Christy will probably argue, if it was a bird, it probably flew away, never to be seen again. Yeah, like climate, it's gonna go back to where it belongs, (laughs) to whatever season it is. That's what birds do. (laughs) Plot twist, it was a Canadian goose. That's what they saw. Well, I don't know. I don't th- whether they go that north. I would assume so. I mean, they go so far south, right? Yeah, to go to the warm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Geese are wild, vicious creatures. <laughs> Good Hoping observation. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bud. Okay. <laughs> And next week, Christy will start her own biology podcast where she talks about <laughs> birds. Creatures. Okay. <laughs> How do we have people paying for this? I don't understand. Uh, we love and support you, though, so very much. Um, okay. So the next on our list is the 1967 sighting in Falcon Lake, Manitoba, which have you ever been to Manitoba? No. Neither I've have I. I've been more outside of Canada than I have been inside of Canada. Same. Places. That's what she said, but yeah, same. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that meant, but I had to say it. Yeah, no. I'll, next week, Alex is going to start her own podcast on puns and sexual innuendos. <laughs> what do you think weird spam is about? <laughs> oh, shit. Anyways, so one of the <sighs> most... <laughs> I don't know. I'm really not on that often, so I don't like, no. <laughs> So one of the most infamous sightings from the cold white north of Canada occurred near Falcon Lake in Manitoba, which I've never been to Manitoba. I also don't think I ever will go to Manitoba. I don't know. Nothing What's attracts- in Manitoba? Anything important? Not really. <laughs> okay. But I'm aware no of- No offense to Manitobians, but- <laughs> No, but I name one thing that is good in Manitoba that will make me want to go. Like name one tourist attraction- in Manitoba. I can't name a tourist attraction, but I worked with a coworker who worked in Winnipeg. Yeah. And she said it was like the sketchiest, violent place ever. Mm. And I was like, that doesn't sound like a place you want to live. And now she's in Ontario. In Lion's Head, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most like quiet place in Ontario. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. no, I don't think Monta- 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 Montana. 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 That's much going for it. I'm sorry, people. So an industrial mechanic and amateur geologist by the name of Stefan Machalak, which I probably just butchered that. So sorry. But Stefan reportedly came across not one but two flying saucers near Falcon Lake. Stefan's story goes that when he was around 51 years old, he was near Falcon Lake during the long weekend in May of 1967, aka May 2 4 weekend, bud. Get yourself a 2 4 and party with your friends to celebrate Queen Victoria. Yeah, Queen Victoria. I was like, which queen are we celebrating? As I was gonna say, usually people get drunk. 
in our area. Yeah. We may do for a weekend and go to Music in the Fields or some shit. I don't know. Music in the Fields is in August. Is it? I thought it was in May. No. Oh, whatever. Yeah, and just for those listening, Music in the Fields is a country festival. It's like the equivalent of... It's literally music in the field because it's in a fucking field. It's in a mud pit, and it's the equivalent of um, the American Country Festival, which is called Faster Horses, which that happens in Michigan. Mm. And it's very expensive. I've debated on going. No. I don't have the income for that. I don't have the want for that because it's country music. <laughs> no, and I don't have the liver or the mortality to go at this age now. I'm, I'm too old for that shit. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to throw this out right now because I just have to beat me. Mm-hmm. Um, so he saw two flying saucers at Falcon Lake. Yep. I think it's very fitting. It's called Falcon Lake. Maybe he saw two birds. Um, they're, maybe they're falcons. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the end of today's episode. Christy solved the case. Thank you for supporting Weird Distractions podcast on Patreon. Goodbye. <laughs> Could you imagine? I just, I just, I just gotta put it out there. It's fine. That's fair. I mean, we'll we'll get into it because this is a really big case. Like when I was looking into it, I didn't realize how big this sighting was. There's a lot out there, so I'm literally doing it kind of a li- a bit of an injustice by just talking about it in a blurb with a bunch of other sightings. But regardless, so Stefan was reportedly looking up some quartz and kind of doing his own thing near Falcon Lake. At some point, a gaggle of loud honking geese supposedly interrupted Stefan's quartz search. When Stefan looked to see what the geese were kind of honking about, he noticed two red glowing cigar-shaped objects approximately 45 meters away. After watching these objects for from afar for about a half an hour, Stefan decided to further investigate whatever was hovering in the sky. The closer he got to these objects, the weirder the descriptions from Stefan, which he would later report, seemed to get. Stefan supposedly claimed that the closer he got, he felt warm air and smelt sulfur. He also reported to be not so greeted by the sounds of hissing air and a, of a loud motor. But that's not all he allegedly heard. The closer he got, the more he heard what was described as muffled voices not speaking English. And direct quote from a CBC article by Darren Bernhardt, Quote, he said he called out, offering mechanical help if they needed it. The voices went quiet but did not answer. So Stefan tried in his native Polish, then in Russian, and finally in German. Only the whir and hiss of the craft responded, end quote. So he's like trying every language out there. He's got his Duolingo app out. And it's just <laughs> like, please speak to me somehow. <laughs> yeah, please, please communicate with me. I just want to know if you're okay. Can I offer you some mechanical help? Maybe some rocks because I'm an amateur geologist. Please be my friend. I don't know. <laughs> Again, rocks are my friends. <laughs> With no verbal response, Stefan decided to explore further. He probably took a peek into one of the craft's doorways that was supposedly opened, which once he kind of took a peek, it was so bright that he had to put on his welding goggles that he had with them. <laughs> and I don't, okay, I don't know who consistently packs their welding goggles wherever they go, but I'm also not a welder. So I mean, say, mm, I don't know, a welder? Mm. Okay, okay, yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense, but I, I don't know. I don't know any welders. I don't have welder friends. Okay. <laughs> I don't have no... That's what, that's what Alex aspires for, is welder friends. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing you're going to take from today's episode, is that I need a welder friend, so I can ask these questions too. How often do you take your welding goggles? Often? 
Often enough. In the car all the time, apparently. <laughs> you never you never know when you're going to need them, I guess. Stefan supposedly touched the craft, and in doing this, a glove he was wearing melted. After poking the craft, the unknown flying object reportedly turned counterclockwise. The craft then apparently blasted some air or gas, which pushed Stefan backwards and set his shirt and hat on fire. Stefan removed the fiery items he had on, and the craft, according to him, just flew away. What are your thoughts on that? Well, whatever that object thing creature may be, that's a little aggressive to go picking, putting people on fire, I must say. It's kind of rude. You know, he wasn't doing anything wrong. He actually went up to it and said, hey, do you need help? Do you think I'm a mechanic? Can I help you? And he covered his little peepers with his protectors and it's like, you're on fire. And he was wearing gloves. Like, the man Mm -hmm. came prepared, but he didn't deserve what he got, in my opinion. He came prepared with a proper PPE for this UFO (laughs) and then didn't have it still. And still, he got injured. So that just goes to show. I was going to say how ineffective PPE is, but that's not the conversation (laughs) I want to have. Because PPE is effective. It's very important. (laughs) It's very important. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to my advice. In a direct quote from the CBC article, quote, Disoriented and nauseous, Stefan stumbled through the forest and vomited. He eventually made his way back to his motel room in Falcon Lake, then caught a bus back to Winnipeg. Stefan was treated at a hospital for burns to his chest and stomach that later turned into raised sores on a grid-like pattern. And for weeks afterwards, he suffered from diarrhea, headaches, blackouts, and weight loss, end quote. That sounds awful. Yeah, that's really intense. And according to that same CBC article, Stefan's story never changed throughout the remainder of his life. Although some folks have questioned this encounter, it remains as one of the most notable UFO encounters in Canada to this day. So that's a pretty intense one, I'm not going to lie. And mm-hmm. like I said before, um, this is a big one. So what I covered is literally barely scratching the surface. Sprinkles. Yeah, just a little sprinkle of weirdness. That's what we like to do on this show, just sprinkle weirdness every week. But yeah, there's a lot more to it than even what I kind of gave today. So if you want to check it out, I would recommend. So it's the Falcon Lake incident. Dun, 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 dun. The lake with the falcons flying around, burning people. Yes. Mm, yes. Yeah. How do you explain that, Christy? How do you explain? Okay, I can't. Okay. At the beginning, I thought I could. Now I can't. Whatever. Yeah. That's that's what I'm. On to the next one. On to the next one, which is the 1967 Shag Harbor, Nova Scotia sighting. And you're like, which is? I was like, which is? The Price is Right. Come on down. <laughs> you win a brand new Toyota Rav4. <laughs> I prefer something else, but okay. <laughs> Oh, shit. All right. So 1967 was apparently a popular year for Canadian UFO sightings. So over 3000 kilometers or over 1800 miles for our American patrons, which is a majority of you. So thank you for your U.S. dollars. We appreciate it. Uh, (laughs) Over 1800 miles east of Falcon Lake lies Shake Harbor in Nova Scotia, which I would love to go to Nova Scotia. I'm just going to put that out there. I think we should try and make a trip out there because I have heard there are some pretty spooky, ooky locations that way. I was supposed to do a family trip out there this year, particularly, but did oh. not, you know, COVID, and that didn't happen. Miss Panorama, ruining mm-hmm. lives since 2020. But I'd love to go out east, yes. All right. Well, we'll put that on the list, our growing travel list. Bucket list. I'll get list. So at around 11.20 p.m. on October 4th of 1967, an unidentified flying object had reportedly crashed into Shake Harbor, rocking the described tiny fishing village. Eleven witnesses claimed that they watched the described 
low-flying lit object directly hit the water. Prior to hitting the harbor, supposedly there was a whistling sound that some witnesses reported to sound kind of similar to almost like a bomb dropping. You know how it goes up? I can't do it. Hold on. Yes, that. That exact sound. Yes, that sound. That is what they heard. (laughs) Uh, Before making a loud bang when it presumably hit the water. Even though officials tried to search for the unidentified object, it appears as though nothing was ever recovered. So in a direct quote from the incident's very own Wikipedia page, quote, a rescue mission was quickly assembled. Within half an hour of the crash, local fishing boats went out to the crash site in the waters of the Gulf of Maine off Shake Harbor to look for survivors. There were no survivors survivors bodies or debris found either by the fishermen or by a canadian coast guard search and rescue cutter which arrived about an hour later from nearby clark's harbor by the next morning rcc halifax had determined that no aircraft were missing end quote what are your thoughts on that christy wait so they saw an aircraft they saw a ufo okay so yeah they can't say that's what it was yeah well then it's not an aircraft there's nothing missing and it was small so basically, they cleared it with the, I don't, I don't want to say the Air Force, but they claimed it, they basically ruled out that it was an airplane that crashed, because I think that's what people thought it was at first, because that's what it kind of presented as. But then after doing the search and after kind of double checking with all local airports and everything, they determined that there was no flights were missing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've not seen a plane crash only on TV, um, but does it just go right into the water to the pier? Or if it was a plane, like, does it not float for a little bit and then sink? I don't know. From my understanding, and my understanding is solely from Hollywood movies, is that the airplane floats for a little bit and then slowly sinks into the water. So they would see it. They would see it, but they didn't. Which so it's is not an airplane. So it's not an airplane, which then, what the fuck is it? And yeah, do not... But it's not an airplane. Do not say it's a bird. Don't say it's a bird. I'm not going to fucking say it's a bird, okay? I've dropped the bird act. Unless something comes up and it's like, obviously a bird, I'll say it. But no, it's not a bird. It was two falcons. <laughs> <laughs> two crisscross falcons in love. And hit the water. It disappeared and died. <laughs> oh, shit. So, yeah, no, it wasn't that. All commercial planes reportedly flying over Shag Harbor were accounted for the following day after the incident, meaning that no one had crashed a plane into the water, as we just discussed. Plus, I don't think it's a stretch to assume that the witnesses would be able to verify what a plane is versus something unidentifiable. Like, it is 1967. But, like, but I think I, a plane's pretty obvious. What the fuck yeah, is. yeah, I mean... I, I would hope. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, there's a plane about to hit the water. And then I'd be like, oh, there's an unidentified object about to hit the water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, exactly. And despite never being able to find the object, there allegedly were some eyewitnesses prior to the water crash that make this whole incident even more weird. So apparently there were things leading up to the crash. Just weird, weird phenomena, like lights and sounds that the community heard that they weren't really used to hearing. And then this crash happened. And then since then, they've never heard it. Hmm. So lights and sounds. Okay. Yeah. You know, all the spooky stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Now on to our last sighting, which is the 1969 sighting in Prince George, British Columbia. This encounter involved a Mr. Walter Webster, who reportedly called the Royal Canadian Mountain Police, a.k.a. the RCMP, once again, in January of 1969, complaining of an unidentified flying object. 
Supposedly, Walter told the RCMP that between 5 p.m. and 6 p.m., he was driving home when he laid eyes on something in the sky that he had never seen before. This object was described as the following. So it was one-eighth the size of the moon. It had a yellowish-orange glow to it. The object supposedly had a square attachment fastened to the bottom. Apparently, the top of the object had diagonal straps across it. It made no sound. And overall, the object appeared to be approximately 2,000 to 10,000 feet in the air and was in the sky for one and a half hours. In a weird twist of events, Walter's wife, Arlene, supposedly also saw the same thing just before 6 p.m. There was another witness as well, a man by the name of Geoff, or Jeff, I don't know. It's I never know how to pronounce this name. Usually it's pronounced Jeff. <laughs> I think people need to stop giving their children this name. Just spell it J-E-F-F or, or not at all. Or name them something completely different. This whole... Spell it that way or not at all. Yeah, just spell it that way or don't. Okay? Thank you. So this Jeff or Geoff Richmond and his family, being his wife and their three teenagers. Jeff or Geoff and his family supposedly saw the flying object at around 5.30 p.m. There were also other multiple sightings over the span of January 1st, 2nd, and January 9th. So even though there were multiple sightings, one really stood out to me, which took place on January 9th. A Mr. William Dow in Prince George reported to the RCMP that some kind of object had landed in his backyard. During the RCMP investigation into William's mysterious object, it was decided that not only was this the potential cause of the previous UFO sightings, but that this object was actually a plastic laundry bag. What? Yeah. What do you mean a plastic laundry bag? I mean a plastic laundry bag. <laughs> so to describe this further, I'm going to use a direct quote from the RCMP report, which there will be a link in uh, today's episode. So quote, the object was a plastic laundry bag with one end held open with circular construction of drinking straws. A cross formed in the center made out of straws, and it had a number of birthday candles held to it with the use of straight pins. The top end of the bag was made secure by taping it with scotch tape. End quote. So this kind of reminds me of the candle lantern things we were just talking about before. Yeah, but like the most ghetto thing possible. Like I'm so confused in the description. So it was a laundry bag, circular, had candles on it, something about straws. Lots of straws, bad for the turtles. This is probably what killed most of the turtles now. Who made this? (laughs) No one knows. And once this was found, it seems as though the RCMP brushed off the previous reports. But what do you think? Could the previous setting be this weird concoction, or do you think it was an actual unidentified flying object? Or third, third option, third option, an alien craft. A, B, or C, Christy? What's it going to be? Okay, we well, you know me. Um, I like to rationalize things. So I'm going to go with the bag because there's no UFOs. There's no aliens. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's either laundry bags or nothing. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I don't it's know. It's either the candle straws and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, I don't know. That's That kind of diminishes every sighting before so Mm -hmm. in my mind it's probably the honky ass laundry peg balloon (laughs) i don't know 
It's like arts and, arts and crafts, but like gone wrong. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, arts and crafts, but gone really, really wrong. Or gone really, really right, depending on your mindset, right? Maybe their plan was to scare people to think that UFOs were coming and aliens. Maybe. Maybe. So to kind of summarize today's episode, or this month's bonus episode, I should say. A lot of times when we hear about UFOs and aliens, there seems to be a hyper-focus on sightings from the U.S. However, Canada or Canada or, you know, the Great White North also has had encounters and a history with UFOs too. So you're not the only one, America. We also have our own weird shit going on up here. So UFO settings seem to happen all over the world, though. And just because something is stated as a UFO doesn't necessarily mean as anything extraterrestrial to do with it. But you could argue that any UFO sighting or some of the sightings may be something from out of this world. And for some reason in my notes, I put could be something out of this room. What? What? What do you mean yeah. out of this room? I don't know. I meant to put out of this world, <laughs> but in my notes it says maybe something from out of this room. I'll say out of this world is more fitting because you're trying to be extraterrestrial or whatever, yeah. but. Oh, geez. So if you or a loved one or somebody you know has a UFO setting that you want to share with us, please send it over by email so that we can feature it on a future listener distraction episode. And that is this month's bonus episode. Happy birthday, Christy. This is our little gift to you from Patreon. Actually, you know what? I did didn't mind that episode. I quite enjoyed myself and I hope everyone else did too. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming the show on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review. This helps the show out for free by letting others know that it's worth listening to. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an update is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and TikTok. If you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month, why not join one of the two tiers over on Patreon? Each month you get exclusive content such as bonus episodes and series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early access to the regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to patreon.com slash podcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Sissy, Shadow, Courtney, and Cheryl. I love you all and appreciate your ongoing support of Weird Distractions. If you're unable to support the show on a monthly basis, but still want to support it maybe as a one-time donation, check out the show's merch over on Redbubble or sign up for a one-time donation over on Buy Me a Coffee. Lastly, I want to hear from you. As some longtime listeners may recall, Christy and I released two listener story-based episodes called Listener Distractions. I'd love to keep doing this series and hear all of your weird tales of ghostly encounters, unexplainable events, and too close to home true crime stories. You can email me your tales at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections that need to be made after today's episode, let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. Bye.